They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua, saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. This is Face to Face with Success. I'm Charlotte Kilbane. This time, we're going back to school. Primary school, to be precise. There's this guy who runs a primary school in the Cape Town suburb of Sun Valley. His name is Gavin Keller, and over two and a half decades of service as a principal, he's pretty much turned the traditional notions of primary school on their head. Sun Valley Primary has a brilliant reputation for producing mature, thoughtful high school pupils, kids with grit, resilience, and emotional intelligence. It also has a no-homework policy and a brain-based way of learning that courts failure as a stepping stone to success. I used to sit in class year after year thinking, one day I'm going to make a school where I would love to go to, to that school. And that really was um, the motivation. And it became very real in grade nine when a math teacher went off and another one replaced and it was uh, Kevin Rochford, and he came to teach us. And his style of math teaching took me from failing maths to doing exceptionally well in nine months. When I think back on him today, I think there was the example where I learned that if the teacher knows how to touch the life of a young learner and connect with them and get them excited about learning, we could change the future of society. And it was in that year, my grade nine years, it was a very, very important year in my life that I decided I was going to teach. And uh, my dad was devastated because he wanted me to be this great engineer and he wanted me to study. I was there and he was so disappointed that I was going to be, and do I know that you'll be poor for the rest of your life as a teacher? <laughs> and I just stuck to it. Yeah, and I went into teaching and I have loved every minute. And if I have my life over again, I'm going to do it totally, totally the same way. The tragedy in education, and it's across the board, it's in private and it's it's in state, is that there is a classical mindset of what a school needs to look like. And I think that that has to change. And you know, like um, we see in in the business world, that when, when we see people shining, then companies will encourage them to go and do an MBA and, and really go and look at the way the business would run from a different perspective. There's none of that incentive in teaching for prospective leaders to really go and become masters of their craft. And that ability to be a master means how can we reimagine schooling? The reality is that our schools today look, sound, feel, dress and behave like schools 50 years ago. And unless we do something about it, we're going to have a burnt-out system. And that, for me, is very sad, that we've created an education model that is so narrow that we, we are no longer creating innovative, creative thinkers, problem-solvers who can think out of the box. I call Gavin an educator several times. He gently corrects me, telling me he is in the business of laying foundational neural pathways. Literally everything he says about teaching comes back to science. I think we've got hooked up on metaphors in education. I think with the um, digital age, we've, we've tried to create this metaphor that the brain is a computer. 
And what we know from neuroscience is it's not a computer. The brain is designed to forget. So for us to force data into a head that is designed to forget and create space for new learning, we are in a hiding to nowhere. The metaphor we're trying to get is this agricultural metaphor that we actually are in the business of feeding the soil because we don't know what sort of seeds are going to land in our classrooms. So to feed that soil, to get the soil into a good state, and that means constant. Any of us who garden know that that pot that we put the soil in last year needs new soil this year and it needs fertilizer. And then to put in the right trellises so that we can hold up what's growing and then to prune it and then to trim it and then to talk to it and to encourage it and then to enjoy the fruit that comes from it. And so that, that made it something that we carry on very deeply. And so when I speak about our role of, of laying foundational neural pathways, I, I talk about getting the data that comes from the sensory input to find a pathway through the survival brain into the emotional brain and then into the prefrontal cortex where we lay these neural memories and, and then they grow and they, and they become bigger and bigger and they connect with other, other sections so that when you throw something at a child, they don't remember, they just don't regurgitate the data. They can find pathways to think about it differently. But that only happens if the survival brain feels safe and the emotional brain feels loved. So education and schooling is not about data because data is meaningless. Education and schooling is about creating a space where the human brain will feel absolutely safe. So there's boundaries, there's regulations, there's rules, there's the way we behave here, and where the human brain feels loved. And when the human brain feels loved, it feels worthy. And when you feel worthy, you feel that you're enough. And then you just have a direct gateway into the thinking brain, which is our executive, what I call the CEO of our brain. And that's the brain that gets us our working memory in place, our time management in place, our prioritization, our empathy, all that sits up in our prefrontal cortex. And once you're there, you can do anything. You're in a teacher. But the teacher needs to get you there by making you feel safe and a sense of belonging. And then the sky's the limit. But it's not just about hitting the bullseye every time. Gavin tells me that failure is something they actively seek out. Actually, my job is to teach you how to fail and then how to get up, dust yourself off, look at where I've made my mistake, realize I haven't got it yet, as Carol Dweck talks about, not yet, and saying, okay, well, there's other ways. Bring me some extra support to help me get it, as opposed to there is a right and a wrong. And schools are so good at the tick and the cross. So you've got it right or you've got it wrong. And life is not about I've got it right or I've got it wrong. Life is about show me how I can do it better. I'm blown away by this, that only 25% of our ability is genetic. You know, 75% is non-cognitive. So the things like behaviors and skills and concepts and attitudes and, and, and relationships and all that, that counts for 75% of where we're going to go. So if we can build high expectations with high self-value, success is a natural byproduct. And we see it. Oh, we see our children who are talented doing exceptionally well. And we see those children that battle with, say, maths or having such good self-esteem that they can cope with whatever situation you put them into. Choosing teaching as a career means you're never likely to be rich. Teachers, primary school teachers in particular, are objectively underpaid. 
So there's no big flashy car in the Keller garage. But there is the chance to reimagine something that has the power to change the world. There's very little opportunity in teaching to have a feeling of success because there's no remunerative reward in teaching. So great teachers are not promoted in terms of salary wires or whatever. You know, whether I'm a great principal or a useless principal, we all earn the same salary. For me, luckily, is that I saw success in the product. So what can I do differently? If, if children can leave my school or my classroom with a smile on their face, having enjoyed the day and come running back the next day, that was for me a massive sense of success. If we're talking legacy, what I wanted to always achieve, and it's still something that I, I want to create a model. I want to show that something can work, that theory and research can be put into a building, into a house, into a space called a school, and the model, if applied correctly, can work, and we can look back at people who've gone through it and say, thumbs up, this has worked. Because my experience in, and because I attend a lot of conferences all over the world actually, you find the people that are doing their PhD in the research go off to research it but don't necessarily apply it. So they've got the research but they haven't got the practical tools on how you make this happen in a school of 1,200, <laughs> you know, on a, a ridiculously tight budget. How do you make it work? So, so for me, the legacy was not only to create a model but then to share the model. And so I work with schools all over the country that just say, come and teach us this particular aspect. That, for me, has been uh, one of my greatest joys. I have to confess, I'm kind of a little jealous at this point. I mean, every kid should have a teacher like this in their lives. I ask him if he really knows what he's done and recognises what he's built. You know, I was walking through the corridors there. I like to do my walks in the morning and make sure that everyone's in place and we all uh, are. And I actually just stopped in the passage and I watched and I looked. Instead of just walking, I, I looked and I watched a cohort of teachers totally, totally in love with their children, teaching so dynamically in every classroom. And we teach with our doors open so that there's always a sense of we're part of the family here. There were groups in activity. There was another class. They were all doing research on their iPads. There was another class that had a group of moms outside and they were taking small groups to practice reading. And I watched this whole operation happening and I suddenly thought to myself oh my word this is amazing and you know my wife I think one's partner is always your biggest critic and she's always at me for trying to push my staff too hard and that night I went home and I said Heath today I saw a really great school in operation and she said well I've been telling you that for your whole life <laughs> And for me, that was the moment that, that actually, when you invest that amount of time and then you stop and look, you realize that, that children's lives are being touched every, every single day. You've been listening to Face to Face with Success. Join us next time for more stories of South African success. 
They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua, saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. Find more real success stories at thesolutionslab.co.za.